Hey everyone, we're back. DF Direct Weekly number 83. It is indeed our weekly show where we discuss the latest gaming and technology news and uh, our own content. And uh, joining me to talk about it, first of all, John Linneman. Rich, uh, did you know that Batman is dead and WB killed him? (laughs) We're going to talk about that today. He's dead (laughs) in in different ways than uh, the story might suggest. Uh, yes, indeed. And of course, Alex Battaglia. Oh, man, I feel bad for those people who made that game. But um, uh, yeah, we're here to talk about 30 FPS, 60 FPS, game releases. There's a lot going on right now. Yeah. And speaking of speaking of Batman, Alex, uh, you're, you're doing a pretty good Batman voice yourself. Oh, yeah, it is a little bit, still a little bit, in, you know, we got this throat just, thing going just, on. <laughs> just need a bit more growling yeah and uh you get to go to take her. <laughs> whoa okay wow mm-hmm. that came out Did... of nowhere didn't it <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, so let's start with our first news topic so where do we begin with this one obviously there's been a lot of controversy surrounding the move which is i suspect likely to happen in due course from the kind of 60 fps standard we've seen in the current generation of console games back to the 30 FPS that we've seen in the the last couple of console generations. Mm. Two titles have shipped this week that um, specifically target 30 FPS uh, with a few asterisks attached. Um, First of all, there's Gotham Knights from Warner Brothers. And uh, then we have Asobo Studios' The Plague Tale Innocence. No, Requiem. 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 (laughs) The new one, uh, which looks incredible. Um... I think we should get straight to the to the nub of the issue here with this question from DF supporter Roach. Uh, with Gotham Knights and a Plague Tale Requiem only running at 30 FPS, why do you think it's so hard for developers to target 60 FPS in next-gen versions of games? I believe in 2022, a 60 F- FPS option should be uh, quote-unquote mandatory on PS5 and Xbox uh, X slash S. Where are the RDNA 2 features like mesh shaders that are supposed to boost FPS between six to eight times, as well as sampler feedback and more use of variable rate shading? Keep up the good work, exclamation mark. Uh, Yeah, thanks for that. Um, That kind of sets the scene quite nicely for um, what's happening, which I suspect applies more to one of these titles than the other yeah which is essentially that if you're aiming for a next generation experience that that has got to be paid for somehow uh bearing in mind the limited resources of your system but obviously we also have gotham uh, yeah gotham knights which is a 30 fps game for an entirely different reason uh john where do we where do we start in unpicking this because ideally we would want to be uh, a 60 fps minimum generation and uh, that's starting to unravel right starting to but i guess that we'll say the jury's still out on whether it will actually unravel because i don't think anyone has ever expected every single game to hit 60 frames per second that has never been true even in generations where 60 was extremely common right uh and i think in this case this, this doesn't really sh- necessarily showcase a failing of the consoles, per se, but cer- certain development decisions made in creating these games. Uh, and in one case, it's more understandable than the other. So obviously, Gotham Knights is the big one. Uh, Oliver did an excellent video on this. And beyond even talking about the performance, the big thing that really sticks out to me is just how... Uh, <laughs> visually uninspiring the game is and that yeah, the wow. seven-year-old arkham knight 
uh, from Rocksteady, different developer, uh, looks significantly better in motion. In fact, it looks so good in motion that just seeing even base P or just regular PS4 footage of the game running at 30 FPS with that motion blur and those effects, the particles, the way the Batmobile slams around the street, crunching through buildings and like, it just, those guys were, were madmen. They did an amazing job and it was all Unreal Engine 3, like, uh, which was even crazier to think because it, it didn't have any stutters or anything like that on consoles. It was really stable and fluid most of the time. And then you get Gotham Knights and it's just, now it's Unreal Engine 4. It's a huge mess. Uh, it looks significantly worse. And of course, before release, everybody was talking about this 30 FPS cap thing, but it turns out they wish they had 30 FPS because it does not hold 30 <laughs> FPS at all. And... I think this is a case where we can look to the PC version to sort of reveal what's going on. And I think the thing we discovered very quickly is that the game is super CPU limited. It does not matter what graphics card you throw at this. So all these RDNA 2 features, I don't think that that has any bearing on this. And that's why they're able to play the game at a high resolution. Like, I guess Ali said it was 4K. Uh, <laughs> you've got... Um, ray traced reflections on the bigger consoles like all the graphical features are turned up it's more just that the cpu load is too high and they can't hit 60 fps as a result so even if they were running like 720p doesn't matter um i did load i did load up the pc version yesterday because um i mean this is the thing that i suspect is going to become more commonplace across the generation is that we're going to see there's going to be like you know 30 uh, 40 frames per second limits as we're seeing on the plague tale actually which is actually a really forward-looking measure i think um and then you'll move to the pc version with uh sort of broadly equivalent hardware and you'll kind of get to see where the bottlenecks are and uh, that was the reason i wanted to i mean i watched oliver's video it was like wow yeah, uh, this isn't great. So, you know, what would happen if I tried it on my test PC, which, you know, Core i9-12900K, super fast DDR5 memory, RTX 4090. This is like top end stuff yeah. across the board. And uh, as soon as you move into traversal, um, you're hit with drops beneath, beneath 60 frames per second. I think the lowest I got was like 45 Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's a from what I can see. I mean, I'm, I want to play it again to get a better view of what's actually going on there. Um, the CPU seems to be incredibly underutilized, even though it does suggest there is a CPU limitation. I didn't see anything higher than like fifty percent utilization across the board. And, uh, and then I think on top of that, you have hashtag stutter struggle. Yeah. Uh, which basically, you know, as soon as there are those pauses as the shader compilation kicks in, it, it kicks the frame rate even lower. But it is just quite amusing that, you know, you're, you've maxed the game and, uh, you know, you turn on DLSS and nothing happens. So, Rich, does the, does the fan even fire up on the GPU? Like, it feels like it would be in one of those, like, low power states, just kind of, like, yeah. walking through the game. I'd, I'd need to have a look at the frequencies, but I think it is, it is, it is active, right? You know, it is doing the... <laughs> something is doing things yeah but you know ultimately when that's the thing that, that i take away from those console versions is that you know if you're on like a ps5 or a series x then you know ultimately you're looking at rtx 2080 level performance and they can do 4k without drs they can do you know um, ray trace reflections without dropping resolution 
I, there, there isn't a GPU issue as far as I can tell there. It just seems to be that whenever you start moving, <laughs> there are some fundamental problems there. And, uh, to, you know, the fact that a PC using the very highest end components cannot lock you to 60 frames per second, uh, that is problematic. So the thing that really sticks out to me about this is, you know, I've played a lot with Unreal Engine, you know, in the past couple of years. And I suspect that this ties back into some of what the artists are doing with the game, because it's so easy to build a scene that looks cool uh but depending on how you use the assets and how many you're using and how you place them it is so easy to just absolutely clog up everything and the and then it just runs terribly even on a very powerful machine right like you know fiddling with maps that's completely different from shipping a big game of course but i can very easily see how decisions made in terms of the art pipeline and the way that they've built the environments that stuff is all really important when you're dealing with games at this level i think it's uh you have to be so careful and delicate with this stuff, especially when you're using like a third party engine like this, where everything's just kind of, you know, pushed up by default, you know, the initial <laughs> it's, it's, it can be pretty heavy. So uh, it's less about the hardware and more about the design in this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I would like to add in here two things. Um, first is like what John was just talking about, about maybe design decisions at some point in this project uh, led it to the place where it is at. Uh, in terms of performance and uh, the issues it has, is that we've, in terms of Unreal Engine 4, it is not an engine designed around open world cities. That is the truth of the matter. That is why when Epic demos Unreal Engine uh, 5 with that Matrix demo, it's them introducing a whole set of performance and design tools uh, to make open world cities actually possible. Uh, and so that they run at any sort of semblance of a frame rate due to instancing and all these things uh, that Nanite enables, et cetera. Um, and also CPU optimizations that are happening in uh, Unreal Engine 5.1. All these things that Unreal Engine 4 does not have to make uh, open world cities workable. Uh, Unreal Engine 4 was originally designed around classic less than 16 square kilometer things where if you even got anywhere near the edge of that 16 kilometers you'd start seeing precision issues and it was based around baked lighting originally all these things which unreal engine 5 dramatically changes so we're seeing like the worst aspects of unreal engine 4 being put to their limits uh oliver pointed them out very well in the video like how there's like a really weird looking lighting situation due to the usage of baked lighting and dynamic characters and then the the performance absolutely falls apart when you move from portion to one portion of the city to the other with traversal and you know i think it makes sense in the end uh, i think it could have been done better of course with just different design constraints and goals maybe a better throughput of those goals but i wasn't on the project so it's hard for me to say the second thing i want to say is that um as John also pointed out, and Rich is, has pointed out as well too here, is that the Roach, the, the things you're mentioning here are, first of all, you're just mentioning the, the GPU uh, new things that RDNA 2 has, specifically on Xbox Series X. And, you know, they may increase performance on some level, but even if you're saying, I don't know where the six to eight times thing you wrote here was from Rich necessarily, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't reply to the entire frame rate. You're not getting, you know, uh, 60 uh, FPS and then it's going to something like eight times that. What you're looking at is when one of these optimization occurs, like let's say a usage of mesh shaders, which is not exactly hard to take advantage, which is actually hard to take advantage of, sorry. Um, 
you're looking at a speeding up of one portion of the graphics pipeline, maybe. So something that maybe took one millisecond before is now taking like 0.4 milliseconds before. Let's say something like that. That is not something that allows you to go to 60 FPS all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. These features, these features are about making the most out of the assets you have in front of you and not about accelerating things to 60 FPS. And so based upon feature sets, we should not say, oh yeah, we should definitely get 60 FPS this generation. Far from. If anything, they allow a developer to fine tune a 60 and or 30 FPS game to look a little bit better while doing so. You know what surprises me here, Alex, is uh, the fact that this was actually a cross-gen game for a while, yeah, right? And they canceled those versions. So it really makes me wonder, like, what the heck that version looked like? And I'm surprised that a game that was being created for the original Xbox One, let's say, uh, they were huh. not able to get up to a higher performance target, to be mm -hmm. honest. Yeah, that is, it's weird. I, I'm, I'm, if I were to guess, is that they were developing on some sort of nebulous hardware for a while. Um, and then when it came time to actually maybe showcase those versions internally, it was like, this is not going to be possible with the time frame we have. And they just dropped them. I, that's what I would really imagine happened. Well, uh, there's so much to, to unpack here. First of all, the open world thing. Uh, the argument there is kind of blown away by Arkham Knight which yeah. is a, a denser city, a more populated city. And it's, unless Unreal Engine 3 is in some way superior to Unreal Engine 4 in those attributes, I think ultimately it comes down to the to the development process. In terms of the, the I mean, it's a cross-gen game. I mean, look at it. It's not targeting next-gen hardware specifically. Um, the reason we aren't seeing those last-gen versions is because I suspect, based on what we're seeing on PC, based on what we're seeing on the current-gen consoles, the CPU would have ground to a halt. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yet we know that uh, denser, richer open worlds are possible on that class of hardware because we've seen a bunch of them. Marvel Spider-Man, for example, just as one example. I mean, it's not as if there was a, a lack of open world games on the last gen systems. <laughs> so, yeah, I just think there's something. Some, there, there was something that went wrong at the at the development level yep. here. I I suspect, and you can you can see it on the PC version where you can throw as much horsepower as as is uh, humanly possible at it, and it still won't perform in a way that you'd expect. So. Um, yeah, uh, I would like to talk about a plague tale though, because um, oh, yeah. what what I mean, again? It's speculation here. Tom is currently working on the console um, uh, video, and there will be a PC video, but we're kind of holding fire on that until the ray tracing becomes yeah, available. Because otherwise, you're just outdating yourself immediately. Wait, what, so what kind of ray tracing are they adding? Uh, I think in the the video that they put out, it's, it did hint at uh, reflections and GI, Ooh, which is interesting. Wow. I think that's what it hinted at. So it could be beautiful. Could be very well. Beautiful. I'm kind of blown away by that because the GI is already good. pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah it's good looking. <laughs> yeah, the engine is um, awesome. But but to talk about uh, Plague Tale, I mean, I guess there is an interesting question there, which is that it's running at 1440p on the uh, on the premium consoles. Um, I'm kind of curious why they couldn't go down to 1080p for a 60 FPS mode. And logically, if you look at it, the reason must be similar. Mm -hmm. to what's happening with uh, Gotham Knights. Yeah. In the, the CPU is, is a limiting factor. Yeah, this is one where I haven't done the testing myself, but um, people have been talking about it on Twitter, and I've seen multiple really hard evidence um, 
both uh, CapFrame X uh, has done some reporting on it, thank you, as well as the person who runs Analog Foundry. Um, basically, in like the second chapter of the game, and I assume in later chapters as well, uh, where I haven't seen any content from those later chapters, and apparently the game is really incredible, by the way. That's another thing I've actually heard. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's a really good game. Um, that uh, there's, there's sections of the game that usually you're actually not very CPU-bound at all. It's a very GPU-bound game on a modern... Let's say Ryzen 3700X, like, or Ryzen 5 3600. It's usually very GPU-bound. And that, you know, that that shows off in the GPU benchmarks for this game that are out there that you can find tons of. Um, but when you get to certain chapter points, when there's a lot of NPCs and, uh, like, a dense marketplace scene, uh, then it became, from what I saw from what the person who runs Analog Foundry, I think it was, uh, posting, uh, was that a Ryzen uh, 3700X was getting sub-40 FPS uh, in this market scene. There and their GPU was basically completely underutilized in the moment, which points 100% of the time almost uh, to a CPU uh, limitation there. And so I think what we're seeing in a Plague Tale is much more reasonable uh, than what we're seeing in Gotham Knights, uh, where it looks like, oh, they chose 1440p because that's kind of what the GPUs can do reasonably uh, with enough headroom. And then the, the 30 FPS is not really... Uh, has anything to do with the resolution there, but it, it has more to do with the fact that there would be a much more variable frame rate experience in the game if they had a, a mode that attempted to get to 60. And that's what I, how I kind of view it. Uh, and I think that could possibly also be, um, depending upon the performance of that 40 FPS mode in VRR, it could possibly also be uh, confirmed on console very easily by looking at a like-for-like -like scene on PC and seeing what the performance characteristics like are on uh, PS5 and or Xbox Series X in those moments. You could pretty, mm -hmm. I think you could actually probably see in the frame time graph whether it's a CPU or a GPU limit. Right. Interesting. I mean, yeah. we went into this generation thinking that the CPU question had been comprehensively answered yeah. by moving from Jaguar well, to Zen, but essentially the goalposts have moved. That's that's the thing, though, with with building on anything is like you can always maximize your use of the hardware if you know, depending on what you're doing with development, right? Like games that run at sixty frames per second or higher, I'd say, is always almost always a design decision. If they wanted to get this game at 60 in these consoles, I think they could have done it, but it would have required some changes in the way that they built it. And obviously that's not what they went for. And I would say in this case, though, I actually think 30 or 40 is okay. Uh, this is a slow-paced, story-driven game. It is not one that demands fast action. Uh, so in cases like this, I think it is perfectly acceptable, you know, as rare as that may be. And I think, like Alex said, I bet there's plenty of scenes that could run at 60 FPS on the consoles. But then you're going to have other scenes where it just drops down tremendously. And I don't think that they want that sort of like fluctuation in there. You don't want to go from 60 to like 30, depending on the scene. Like that, that sucks. Even with VRR, that's not, that's not a good experience. So given the cinematic aspirations of the game, you know, I see why they went for 30. And by the way, I don't know, what do you think about this, Alex? But looking at the visuals in this game, to me, this looks like what I would envision a remake of The Witcher 2 looking like. That's what I've actually thought a couple times, right? just the, the environment. I think the, I saw a windmill, and it made me think of The Witcher 2. Like this is, it's very Witcher, and I like yeah. it. It's it's a cool visual design. Uh, one thing I want to point out 
uh, that I haven't I haven't touched the game yet uh, for video content, and I will at one point when the RT patch comes out. I really want to wait for that because otherwise I'm just going to cover the game twice in short yeah. succession. I hate that. Um, so uh, is that there's currently at least on PC. I haven't seen the console version yet. There's a horrible camera stutter. <laughs> Like, it's not just when you're moving the mouse or moving the controller, but literally in the cutscenes, as the camera's moving, it goes, like, and it's huge, and it's it's really bad. Uh, so, uh, I don't know if that's a PC-related issue. It seems to be PC, based on what I'm seeing, Okay. looking at the console version, it seems fine. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, at least I've seen that on an RTX 4090 PC. Uh, no DLSS 3 on or anything like that, just normal DLSS uh, 2 Uh so that's an issue, and I, I hope they fix that by the time I get around to covering the game. Maybe I should send them an email as well, making sure they fix it by the time I cover this, the game. This could know. definitely use some DLSS triple, I think. Oh, yeah, it for sure probably does, especially when that ray tracing comes out. Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> DLSS triple. We, gotta... uh, we could actually skip ahead to a question here, because there is a specific Plague Tale question okay. uh, regarding DLSS 3. It's from supporter E234D7B6. Ooh. That's, that uh, looks like an error code. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's saying, I got my hands on the hot new item RTX 1490 and started play, playing Plague Tale Requiem, but I'm confused with how to actually use DLSS 3. If I enable frame generation and hit 144 FPS, uh, input lag is absolutely horrid. But if I were to increase settings so as not to hit that ceiling, I can't look too far down or up since it increases FPS and we are back to bad input lag. So only way to actually use DLSS 3 frame generation right now is to adjust settings up or down every time seen mm. weather or something other affects GPU load changes and try to hit that 110 to 140 FPS target where input lag feels all right. I guess my question is whether there is any real world use for DLSS 3 for people that don't have displays with refresh rates uh, north of oh, 240 hertz. That's a very interesting it, question. It is an interesting question because it strikes at the heart of what we were saying in our coverage, really, which is, you know, uh, no proper support for capped frame rates puts you in a difficult position. Yeah, it really does. I mean, you could live with a little bit of tearing when you look up and down instead. That, I mean, I wouldn't want that, to be honest with you. That's one thing you could do as in make sure it's not hitting the V-Sync window. Um, another thing you could do here, based upon what I saw, I was looking at it in DLSS quality mode on an RTX 4090, and it was usually at 60 FPS, uh, hovering around 50% GPU utilization. I think what you can maybe look at doing is running the game at full native with DLSS 3. I don't think you mentioned that here, whether or not you are uh, using... Uh, like quality mode, for example. So maybe you should look at using native resolution with just frame generation on. And that would give you a lower base frame rate from which it works off of. And maybe you would maybe, uh, you know, make it so that you don't get to that 120 FPS too often. But this is the, this is the, Rich said it, it's the crux of the issue. DLSS 3 needs, uh, I, I, it needs a frame capper that works without massively increasing input latency. And or, uh, and I would really like it, real vSync support. Uh, and based upon what, uh, you know, NVIDIA told to us where they're looking to add vSync support, I think it's going to be some semi-novel solution uh, because basic vSync obviously has issues with whatever it's doing. Uh, so it's going to be something maybe different, maybe a separate option in the control panel. That's something like DLS3 aware, DLSS3 aware of vSync or something mm. like that. I don't know what it's going to be like, but... That's kind of what I got to say. 
Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm just going to quickly move on and uh, sort of end the 60 FPS discussion. Uh, First of all, I want to say that I think the Plague Tale is actually doing the right thing in terms of handling this 30 FPS issue in that it is offering a 40 FPS option for 120 hertz displays. And um, it keeps coming up, ooh, 40 frames per second, big deal. But you've, you've got to try it. It's not if forget frames per second think frame times yeah it's the exact midpoint between 30 and 60 exactly and basically um you know the the higher your frame rate goes the lower your frame times get and the less perceptible it uh, the difference becomes so 40 fps um aka 25 millisecond frame time is actually a, a really big upgrade over a 33.3 millisecond frame time. So, you know, that is a potential way forward in a resource-constrained device like a console. Um, But just to sort of put an end to to this discussion in the the here and now, um, it has been announced this week that uh, Callisto Protocol uh, is getting a 60 frames per second performance mode, uh, which is good news and a bit of a relief because obviously we've talked about the game in the past. We've been quite... Uh, enthused about it but all of the media we've seen has been 30 fps and not only that but 30 fps with performance drops um yeah bearing in mind whatever system it was running on so john this is good news right oh it's fantastic news and kind of what we were hoping for uh and we, we've seen this before where you know i think like there was some recent sony games like horizon horizon was that where they basically always showed it running at 30 frames per second but we know now that it has a very stable 60 fps mode and I think that's probably just down to maybe marketing choices at the time where they want to show it at its best and, you know, in video content, whatever. Uh, but here, yeah, it's it looks like we'll get that. And um, I have no reason to believe that it won't be pretty stable yet. We'll see. Yeah, right. Uh, I guess I'm I'm curious to see what cuts they make to get there, though. That's what we don't know yet. It's not like, you know, this is not an open world game like Gotham or any of those. It's It's a much more constrained environment. So I suspect it's a li- this is a little bit more in the wheelhouse of Unreal Engine in terms of uh, what it does well. And yeah, yeah. so um, I am extremely excited to look at this game when it comes out. I, can't, okay. I cannot wait to play it. Yeah, and it's Excellent. still slated for December as well, yeah, it I is. believe. So thankfully they did. there was a rumor about it being delayed or whatever, um, which thankfully is not the case because it would have then collided with the same time span when Dead Space remake is coming out. And then you'd have that weird second sight uh, uh, situation where you have like, the same game, yeah. PSYOP second sight thing, uh, which we don't want to have. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, let's move on to the next news topic. Uh, great news for fans of classic Konami franchises. Silent Hill is coming back. And it's coming back not just with one game, but with several games, uh, some kind of uh, series, a film. It's all Silent Hill all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I guess the most exciting thing out of all all of the announcements was that uh, Konami has enlisted the talents of uh, the Bloober team, uh, previously responsible for the likes of the Medium, uh, to remake Silent Hill 2. It's been a long time since I played Silent Hill 2. So, John, why select that game? And is Bluebird a good fit? And what did you make of the trailer that we saw? Oh, man, there's so many questions. Uh, (laughs) I'm honestly shocked that they decided to go with Silent Hill 2 as the one to remake because this is the one that is the most beloved in the series. It will be the most challenging to remake by far. 
the themes that it deals with and sort of the design of this game, it's almost like a sacred thing at this point. And it was very, very specific to that time period, the people that made it. There's not a lot else out there that's ever really been quite like this game, right? It's very special. Uh, Bloober Team, on the other hand, they've proven very capable at pumping out games at a reasonable rate. They seem to be hitting their dates. Uh, they seem to be solid with technology. But, you know, the medium had some cool stuff in it for sure. But after actually finishing it, their handling of some of those topics, I would say, was not great. Uh, and that concerns me with Silent Hill 2 because they both deal with a lot of, you know, mental health issues and s some stuff there. And they handled Silent Hill 2 handles it very delicately. The medium handles it with like a giant spiked club of nonsense. Like it's, just, it's I'm not a fan of of how that story wraps up. It, it's is it a giant spiked uh, club that's being dragged along the floor by a zombie? <sighs> Maybe, <laughs> but either way. The, I do have some hope, though, and maybe this is actually a really good fit for them because I it does seem like they are working with original de some original development staff. They have oversight from Konami itself, people in internally, and this is basically their chance to build a game without having to essentially write everything. They're not building everything from scratch. They're just building the core gameplay. They're building the visuals. And on that sense, or on that front, I think they've done a phenomenal job visually. It's a very, very beautiful looking game. This trailer, uh, I, I like it. I know some people take issue with certain character models, like the appearance of James. I can see that, but I, I think it's pretty good overall. The animation is really nice. Um, I'll be curious to see if they can actually do this at 60 frames per second. Uh, the trailer is mostly 60, and given you know the stuff they're doing with lighting and the quality of the visuals and the performance of the medium i'm skeptical <laughs> to say the least yeah. but we'll see maybe maybe they'll actually get there uh the thing that stands out to me though and this has been a problem with silent hill i'm in general silent hill as a gameplay concept and like in terms of like inspiring fear in people it plays on the unknown and creating these unsettling images that you can not necessarily decipher on first glance right and I actually maintain that a large part of that was directly related to the the game consoles of the era and the televisions that were in use. On a CRT at that lower resolution, with the way the PS2 displays its visuals, they're able to create this sort of there's like this this almost like this layer over the whole game where you can kind of make out what you're looking at. It looks pretty detailed, but you'll see scenes like the first time you see Pyramid Head. You're walking down the hallway in the hotel and you catch a glimpse of this thing behind like these bars that you can't get through. And then it basically walks away. The way that scene plays out is very subtle, very unsettling, but very subtle. You know, you saw something, but you can't really parse what it was. And that happens a lot. You're just seeing these things, this imagery, and it really sort of fills your imagination with dread. And furthermore, that game uses uh, environments that are broken up by short loading screens. So like when you're in the hallway and you go into a door, you know, it has to actually load a separate scene. That sounds weird, right? But like as a good thing, but it actually does add to the tension when the screen blacks out and it comes back, you don't know what's on the other side of that door. And when they shifted away from that and started to be able to render environments where you're going seamlessly through environments, it actually steals a little bit of the tension away. 
And the same yeah. goes with the HD visuals. Like when you display a horror game on a huge modern display, even with good black levels like an OLED and everything's in super high quality, like 4K resolution, your eyes can so clearly and easily parse every bit of the artwork now that it removes this veil from it. I don't know how you beat that. I'm not sure you can beat that. That's just something about, you know, that's the way modern visuals are. But this is something I've thought a lot about with Silent Hill. And I, I get the feeling that even if this turns out to be quite good, and I think it might, uh, I don't think it's to be, um, it's not going to be able to create those same feelings of dread and intention that you got in the original game. I mean, you guys, have, have you ever really played through it? Because there's just, no. gosh, no, the stuff in there, like years. I like just going underneath Toluca Lake when you go into the old prison, you just open this door and you're just presented with a staircase and you just walk down the staircase for like three solid minutes. And just the <laughs> visuals and the sound that plays and the way the way they very subtly alter the environment, it creates this weird psychological kind of tension. Uh this stuff is so hard to do, and they were really, really good at doing it. I don't know if Bloober team's gonna be able to pull it off. We'll see. So yeah, it seems like a tall order because it's so beloved, and it, it'll be divisive as a result. Big um, time, you know, because I thought like I don't have any attachment to this, and I thought it looked very, very pretty, and I thought it captured like an evocative mood. I think it does. Is the setting different? I think I read that the setting is different, or, or doesn't look like. Else? I mean, I recognize no, okay. all the stuff that they show. All right. Well, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but it, you know, it looked really good, and. Um, Obviously, I think uh, there's only so much one can do to take uh, PS2-style material and update it yeah. into the modern era and, like, be completely faithful. Because stuff back then was all sight by hand. Like, if you wanted to make the game look good, you're going to have to use, like, scanned character models and mocap performance. And, you know, it's going to invariably change things. So I can't ever slight them for those no, changes no, no. really so much so. So I'm excited. It did look to be Unreal Engine 5, based upon the visuals I was seeing there. It would make also sense, I think, from the, the Bluebird perspective, because they have such that. experience with Unreal 4 already, and perhaps Unreal 5 is a good fit for them. Of all the Silent Hill projects shown then, I feel like that was the most interesting, because everything else was sort of just like little teasers, and it was difficult to parse what they will be, so I can't really speak to them. This is the one that appeared to be the most, you know, a game. Uh, I am happy that the film is being made. Christopher Gans did a great job with the original Silent Hill movie. I don't love the ending to it, but overall that movie was extremely interesting and well shot and did a great job sort of communicating the tension of Silent Hill. And I, I enjoyed that a lot. So I'm happy that he's back and doing this. Uh, it is It is weird that they're making so many projects though. I gotta say, like, I hope this doesn't backfire and like burn them again. And yeah. yes, it's a it's a it's an all in approach, isn't it? They're doing they're literally throwing the, the kitchen sink at this franchise, yeah. uh, which you know it, typically it's done in a more subtle way. You reintroduce the franchise, you know, and I suspect maybe the remake is is going to be the taking point. There it leads me on to this question from ten forty STF: uh, What's the Silent Hill project that you excite that that excited you the more? For me, it's F, as it's bringing something new and gorgeous on the table. As for the remake, I find it absolutely beautiful, and I'm kind of surprised by some bad reactions it got. But maybe it was to be expected from the loudest fans, as the project of remaking Silent Hill 2 
consists to touch what should be untouchable for some. What's your thoughts? Also, I didn't understand what Silent Hill Ascension was. Lol. Uh, well, you know, we we saw something that looked uh, like a, a a project in development, and then we saw two. Uh, projected trailers, I think. I, yeah. I don't really have anything to say. I think the concept of moving Silent Hill to Japan is is intriguing. Yeah, that's basically uh, Siren. It <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, really, really was, because, you know, some yeah. one, one of the original Silent Hill developers uh, worked on those games. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And, I mean, what are you excited for, John? Uh, F is interesting conceptually. I am very eager to see where it goes and what it what it actually is but we don't know enough yet to say and then obviously you know like i said silent hill 2 was the thing that they showed the most of and but i did notice uh at least two of the trailers started with the camera zoomed way down onto the floor uh and focusing on like a roach they they oh. love that trick for some reason and that that was a little <laughs> concerning because that made me think of the fourth indiana jones movie crystal skull where they oh, start no. with Remember where they have like the uh, the gophers? The gophers? Oh no! It, it's like the they have like the the, the studio logo and then it like fades Harry to a dogs? CG gopher like popping out and I'm like, oh no, it's that kind of thing uh, where they like zoom uh, the camera into like some kind of like natural event and then it like pulls back to reveal what's really going on and oh that's so uh, dumb that association right. that is, that's like Ugh. that's so dumb oh yo yo. Uh, any thoughts about what you're excited about here, Alex? I guess it is uh, the concept of a Silent Hill game built around Lumen and Nanite. It's coming to yeah. PC. Coming to PC, PC, but not Xbox right away, I think, right? Um, but uh, that's that was an interesting part. But yeah, I think the I think there was evidence of Lumen when the door was opening in the initial cutscene. It's kind of like right in the beginning of the trailer, actually. Um, for Silent Hill 2, like, the door opens, and you can actually interestingly see some issues with Lumen there, too. Like, the door opens and the light floods in from outside, um, and you can see it also not just, like, the area where it's directly lit, but it, like, bounces around the inner part of this door frame. Uh, but then as, like, the door's closing, if you look at, like, the edge where the door frame is, you can see light totally leaking through it. Like, obviously, Lumen's good, but it's not perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, so, may so, that so that was interesting, and that... That was actually reassuring that we were looking at something real time. Oh, so I by, like seeing mistakes. By actually. the way, Alex, it was actually confirmed that it is Unreal Engine five. They did confirm. Well, then it makes a lot of sense. So they, they did officially confirm that it is UE five. It is using Lumen and Nanite. So Well, yeah, that explains a lot of the visuals uh, that we're seeing there. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Does it explain Nanite? Because uh it it didn't look like any of the other UE five games. I, I mean, we've seen. I don't think Nanite has to be used in any yeah. specific way, right? Like Yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to have just like a bunch of rocks. Rocks. <laughs> or like repeating rocks. I mean, this is Silent Hill. You're not gonna, you know Yeah, you don't need a bunch of repeating instance geometry. It's like pretty like I mean, the game is can only be so big, right, John? It doesn't yeah. need like so I'm sure like, they'll expand it a bit. It hasn't you know, it's open to like on PS2 at least, Silent Hill the town was pretty wide open, somewhat. Uh, and you know, I'd imagine they'll expand on that. I suspect Nanite's going to be used more for granular detail on small objects because you will spend a lot of time in cramped environments that are kind of ripped apart. So there shouldn't mm -hmm. be a lot of debris and like little you know subtle details that will hugely benefit from that. So I'm curious, John, about. Um... Because, you know, like the Silent Hill 2 and Silent Hill in general is kind of like about fog in a lot of scenes. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's kind of like sometimes you're just walking into like a gray mess and you don't really see much of anything <laughs> very far in front of the character at all. Yeah. 
I wonder how they're going to translate gameplay like that to modern rendering and just style. Like, are people into that these days? Well, I mean, like, the fog in the PS2 games looked awesome, right? It was yeah, like, right? like this swirling particles that were quite beautiful and mysterious. And I think, you know, just do a really good job with that. Make the fog look visually interesting and good, and it's fine. You mm-hmm. don't want to just have, yeah. like, the old distance fog where it just cuts off rendering after a certain point. And then, <laughs> Let's hope not. That wouldn't work, and that's <laughs> I, they're not doing that, you can tell. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'll be curious to see their approach on that. I wish they had some sort of, like, uh, particle simulation in there, like some sort that of advanced, cool. like, swirling particles that simulate, like, the you know, the nature of what fog is. So something like what we saw in uh, Blacksmith Wukong, or Black, Black, Blacksmith. Blacksmith. Blacksmith Wukong. <laughs> a Blacksmith Wukong, uh, uh, where they had that really cool, like, cloud stage where, like, the, the clouds oh, yeah. are, like, deforming around the characters. Maybe not as in so uh, video game looking, but, you know, something, like, more subtle. That could look really cool. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Uh, let's move on to the news to- topic. And uh, sticking with the theme of large blunt force instruments with spikes on them being dragged along by zombies, uh, another Ooh. amazing example of the genre uh, was revealed uh, properly this week. Uh, Resident Evil 4 uh, Remake. Um, although it isn't actually being called Remake, is it? Um, that was... Uh, the main highlight of a Resident Evil showcase that Capcom uh, uh, put forth this week and it looks absolutely terrific if, (laughs) although it was exactly as I imagined it (laughs) it did look really really good right John? Yeah I'm very excited by this, I love what they're doing visually and stylistically with this one, Uh, so there's both the trailer which is a sort of a cinematic selection of shots and then there within the actual stream itself they showed gameplay from the proper gameplay perspective. And it does mm-hmm. seem to be, they, they seem to have struck this really nice balance between being faithful to the source material and creating something new. And I think they've proven themselves at this anyway with the Resident Evil 2 remake, which was phenomenal. Uh, so I do gather that this will hopefully achieve that same level. It's just Resident Evil 4 is considered one of the greatest games ever made. And certainly one of the most influential right so in a way it is reminiscent they're different but it's reminiscent of silent hill 2 where they're trying to go back and recapture something that's revered uh that's difficult but i think that they're on the right track and also the reach for the moon engine continues to shine like it has a very specific look to it i think and i wouldn't say it's like ultra next gen and it's not this is a cross-gen game but gosh darn it it looks it looks really beautiful <laughs> like just yeah, good. capcom's character modeling like their character artists like how are these guys so good like they're they're yeah. just they're some of the best in the business by far like just the animation work the amount of detail like my goodness it's so awesome but they also added some you know it seems like they added some different moves like there's chainsaw parrying now which is funny uh, they showed actual gameplay in that initial village, and that's really important to showcase that because what made Resident Evil 4 so special, I think, were, were the gameplay options, which was something you did not have in prior entries. The ability to jump in and out of buildings, over fences, you know, the way you interact with the enemies, with your weapons. Uh, it's It was a very systems-driven thing, and it was really fun, and it looks like they've captured that here. But did you notice, I have to mention the flashlight. Uh 
there is Leon in this demo. They actually show him holding a flashlight in one hand with his gun in another. And that wasn't something you really saw in the actual shipping game, but it was something that was shown in the earlier GameCube demos, right? The ones that didn't ship like the, the mist version or the, the hook man demo when they show with the cinematic camera angles, Leon walking around the mansion with exactly that sort of pose. I think it's really cool that they sort of brought that back. Uh, it sure it sure looks that way. I wonder so. if they're also building off of kind of what they do with uh, Resident Evil Two Remake, right? Where that that you know that had like flashlight gameplay all all about it. So maybe maybe that's it. Very possibly. The one disappointment for me though, and I, why do they only want to do the crosshair <laughs> these days? I know that's probably the best way to play it, but I want ah. I want the gosh darn laser pointer back, guys. Like I want the the red sight. <laughs> I love that thing. It looks so yeah, good lack- in Resident Evil Four. Like we need that back. Yeah, the lack of HUD uh, <laughs> is something I really remember about that game. Actually, pretty specifically, like just like when you're just kind of like chilling there and you have like the gun out with the the laser pointer in it. Actually, yeah. one thing I wanted to really praise actually. Uh, Resident Evil 4 is known for pretty good uh, like weapon feedback and animation on weapons and it seems like they nailed the shotgun at least like whenever that was shot in the trailer and like he pumped it again it was like oh that's pretty good (laughs) that's what I felt (laughs) Uh, and you know that did look really good I don't remember the thing with the cow. Isn't that in the is that in the original? No, game? no, lighting the, the cow the, on fire. Okay, I don't think okay, that was that good. was a little intense. Um, that that yeah, exact that, barn was there. I don't remember yeah. ever doing that move though, so I don't think I, that's. I wonder if they're gonna have like the weird like hidden uh, like things. You know, like the original game didn't really show a lot of like the environmental things you're interacting with. Uh, like you'd pick them up on the ground and then it would show it in like uh, super set form on the screen, like what you picked up. Right. But like in the original game, like you could, there's a lot of hidden items everywhere. I wonder how they're going to tackle that in this new game with its emphasis on realism, uh, at least in the visuals. I hope you can still shoot the gemstones yeah. or whatever out of the trees. Yeah, that's like the weird thing. <laughs> that's what I was thinking about. I was like, I remember shooting gemstones out of trees. Are they still going to do that? I, I, I don't so. know. I think the uh, the combat was super intense. I mean, it, yeah. it looked incredible. Yeah. Um, but yes, the cow thing, we've, we've got to talk about that. Um, I couldn't visually pass it because, correct me if I'm wrong, but he shoots a light bulb, uh, <laughs> which, which then seems to cause a massive inferno. Was it, was it a light bulb? It could have been was an it, oil lamp that somehow... An oil, it's probably an oil lamp. Kind of okay, yeah. even so, the, the <laughs> amount of oil... It's an oil, oil lamp. Involved. It's an oil lamp. It's a massive. I think. Okay, so oil lamp. it looks like it. So, it, <laughs> uh, I mean, is it full of gelignite or something? I'm yeah. just, this is quite a remarkable turn of events. Uh, <laughs> and yes, the, the concept of parrying a chainsaw with a knife. No, you, it's his uh, pistol. That's even better. It's his pistol. Okay, well, that's uh, even better. Uh, yeah. yeah. Gosh, the, the, the new chainsaw man design is awesome too, with those beady eyes peeking out from under the uh, sack there. It's fantastic. Yeah. I was almost surprised they didn't show off. I thought it was going to end the trailer with uh, Leon being decapitated. Oh, they're, like, yeah, they're not going to end the trailer. Back. Well, I mean, uh, it's already showing a cow lighting on fire. Let's go the that's full, true, that's true. the full way. Um, also, that's what I thought I was going to see. Yeah. Oh man, sorry. Amazing. Uh, that's all. I also noticed how like uh, some. I'm sure it's just like canned animation, but I'm curious to play with it. But like when when the windows would break, they would break in the correct direction. So like mm-hmm. if you smash. You see an enemy smash in a window, all the glass and shards and wood sort of like uh, the velocity is correct. Like it sort of flies towards uh, Leon, who's standing inside, 
and away from the person that smashes it. So little details yeah. like that. Uh, it looks awesome. So I'm actually, excited. one thing I did, I want to, I'll send a screenshot to Oliver after this, but so we know that this engine uses uh, ray traced reflections and like a form of GI. And yeah. I don't, uh -huh. I imagine here they're going to be doing it very much so like they did in the previous games where there's a ray traced offsetting and a ray traced on. That's how I imagined they would do it, considering it's Probably. costume, right? Um, but there was a, uh, a scene here where there was a character shadow that, uh, tapered off into the distance in a way that I didn't expect based upon the shadowing technology they oh, had in previous was, games Was here. it the Spanish guy? Was Luis? It was the guy talking from, yeah, it, was, he was, it wasn't when he was pushed against the wall, but it was when he was, the camera was above him. Yeah, I, I know exactly that shot, yep. Yeah, so I'll have that here, and Oliver can hopefully put it on screen, and I thought, like, oh, the, the, the shadow has, like, what Hunter. looks to be, like, a penumbra there, and that yeah. doesn't line up with what we've seen in the past before, um, so it would be interesting if they advanced the technology even further here with more ray tracing features. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Um, just a couple of short stories to complete the news section. Uh, we're going to kick off with the reveal of a Final Fantasy XVI story trailer. Uh, visually, it looks quite astonishing. Um, John, thoughts? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I'm I'm really happy <laughs> to see this, the trajectory that this game is on. Uh, the very first showing was fine looking, but decidedly cross gen. But it feels like it feels like a game where there was perhaps a PS4 version in development, and then they at some point decided, nah, we're gonna just go next gen only, and they've continued to push the visual envelope up much much further, and it looks magnificent. I think as a result, like the art direction and the, the level of granular detail, like the polygon budget seems suitably high. Like there's just a ton of detail in every scene. Um, it's hard to gauge the gameplay yet. I don't know how that's going to play out, but they have an extremely talented team behind this. Uh, these guys know what they're doing. And I think if they pitch it right, it could be a huge success for them. And what seems to have happened though, is that with Forspoken being delayed regularly, uh, I think they wanted to release Final Fantasy 16 after Forspoken. I gather that FF16 could have been ready to release this year, but instead they, they've essentially targeted summer 2023. And as a result, it seems like they have an exceptionally large amount of time to polish the game. Like the game is basically done, it feels like, and they're just working on making it as perfect and better as they can. And I suspect as a result, we'll have a very polished game at release. That would be great because um, this game, I, I thought the trailer was incredible looking I, and I didn't expect it because I thought the, like John, I remember when the first trailer was shown off when I was surprised that there was violence in it, like blood. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember a lot of Final Fantasy with blood, but uh, uh, two, I was kind of like, oh, it looks fine, but it doesn't look very PS5. And this was a, like, this was before we had the PS5 in our hands when I think when we first saw this. Yeah. So <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't like fulfilling that next gen desire. Uh, but now I actually think it looks incredible. And John, what what engine is this running on? Like I don't know. I what is this? think it's based. It's something derived from. I don't. I can't Do remember. Like Forspoken uses something related to Luminous, hence the yes. studio name, I guess. I feel like this might be some descendant of Crystal Tools, actually. That'd be nuts. I don't know case. for sure, though. <laughs> I, I really need to research this more, but I feel like I heard that somewhere that this was actually more closely related to uh, that older technology. But I assume, you know, 
whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's probably been rebuilt and upgraded so much that you can't. It's like saying Unreal Engine Five is the same as an Unreal Engine Two, right? That's like, very true. It, 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 it looks very, very, very. It's modern. it's much, yeah. much more uh, modern visually. Uh, I also one... noticed they have some motion blur in some of the scenes now. Yeah, unlike, um, yeah, well, I think the previous showing didn't have it, but also every single time we see Forspoken, the motion blur level is set to, like, zero. I don't know why. For some reason. I don't know why. But, like, if you're showing a 30 FPS game, you kind of really need motion blur. Otherwise, you see tons of stutter. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that was really wonderful to see. Um, I watched the trailer in Japanese, so I was a little bit sad uh, when I didn't see the the, the the mouth movement lining up with Japanese. But I I assume it's an English VO'd game. As a Probably. result, I didn't watch the English I didn't watch the English trailer. Um, but that was a little bit like ah. Eh. But John, could you? I know this is me being a little bit kidding, but what the hell is going on in this game? I saw dragons. <laughs> I saw. Uh, tons of different locations, which all looked kind of amazing. I saw world-ending supernovas. Do you know what's going on? Well, I don't know the whole story, obviously. It just it seems like it's a journey uh, across the lands uh, of some sort. And, you know, I mean, obviously, that's what you do in Final Fantasy is you visit all these unique locations, right? This seems to be pretty different, though, gameplay-wise. All the stuff with the... what I think a lot of it you're seeing is this related to the summons, the large creatures, they seem to be placing an emphasis on this, like Bahamut, Leviathan. Well, we'll see who's all in there, but uh, that seems to be what those attacks are showing. So, oh, okay, that's what that was. I didn't get that at all. I really didn't get that at all in the trailer. That's yeah. Amazing. Okay. Um, one last question. Is this building on any Final Fantasy lore? Or is this, this a, like not... most Final Fantasies, like separate? This seems to be separate. And okay. it seems so. I, I believe a lot of the team here is the one are people that have helped steward uh, Final Fantasy 14. You know, they saved Final Fantasy 14 from oblivion and turned it into something that people love. And Final Fantasy 14, I have not played through it or any of the expansions. But from what I understand from Final Fantasy fans, the storytelling in that is among the best the series has ever seen. It's very mature and interesting and, and extremely well designed and written. And so that gives me a lot of hope that what we're going to get with Final Fantasy 16 is a much more uh, a very serious, well-written tale that is hopefully quite engaging and is complemented by the fact that it's a single player game, not a multiplayer one. And they have a large budget to sort of pour into the presentation. So I think we'll be able to see the type of storytelling that Final Fantasy 14 brings to the table, but done with a much higher fidelity. And that's pretty interesting. Yeah, the, the the as you're talking about the tone being more serious, it's very different than Final Fantasy XV, which was kind. I mean, there were serious moments in like yeah, uh, sure. the, uh, in that game for sure, but uh, it was more about like let's like the game's opening feels like let's let's have fun in the countryside with their friends. That's kind of really what it felt like, and this doesn't give that vibe at all. So it's no, not at all. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, just quickly, since we're talking Final Fantasy, uh, it's time to plug the new DF Retro that's going out to uh, DF Retro supporters imminently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy Thirteen, John. Yes, it's finally nearly complete. We're almost at the finish line. It's going to be almost two hours long in the end. Uh, <sighs> we tackle... So I've been working with Mark from My Life in Gaming on this one, uh, and he has been exceptionally helpful since I, you know... I have not been well over the last month, so it's taken a long time to get this done. But we're finally at the finish line. All three Final Fantasy 13 games are in here. Uh, 
the focus is primarily on the first one, but the sequels get their time in the spotlight. But we go through the development history. We talk about the game, the game design, and whether or not it actually holds up. What's what's good about it? What's not? We talk about the technology. We look at all the different ports of the game, uh, including the PC version with mods, no less, which is really good. Um, and yeah, I think it's a really interesting and exciting episode, and I can't wait to share it out there. Excellent. Um, okay. That's the end of the news for this week. Let's move on to a bit of DF content discussion. Uh A few weeks back, we (laughs) talked about Marvel Spider-Man and our kind of role in um, (laughs) basically getting a a patch out on embargo that changed the game completely. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure it's happened again, but certainly a a patch did drop that basically dramatically transformed the game. And uh, I've seen basically two versions of Alex's edit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, uh, the first one uh, was, you know, it was essentially there was a lot of disappointment in it because there are a lot of issues, you know, easily fixed issues, blatant issues that should have been fixed. And, uh, you know, that's what what we were presented with in the review code. Uh, we did feedback some of this back to Sony. And, um, yeah, basically on the same day that Alex finished the video, uh, the patch rolled out, which essentially addressed all of these issues. Can, can we put that video out for patrons, maybe, with like a very careful, like a caution Have label you still on got it? it, Alex? Ah, uh, I don't know. If we deleted it from the channel, it may we actually did, yeah. be gone because I haven't saved no. it. No. I, I overrode it to this morning, actually, or last night. I overrode <laughs> it. Uh, well, a lot, of, a lot of the content is still in there. It's still in there. A lot of the content's in store. I, I particularly enjoyed. I particularly enjoyed the sort of passive rage, suppressed (laughs) rage that basically your entire uh, week of work had to be redone to a certain extent. Iron Galaxy. Again. Yeah, I did get Iron Galaxy. So, yeah, Rich points it out very well where this is now, it's the second, but it also feels a little bit like the third time because Dying Light 2 also changed quite uh, like rapidly during its review process on PC, which was a little bit a little bit annoying um but uh yeah here it's where we i got a version of a game where i'm thinking so it's hard i'm a technical reviewer i'm not a like what's the it does actually feel a bit weird if you're reviewing uncharted on pc right now from a gameplay perspective because this game's been out for like seven years isn't it right it's like or something it's like how long has it been 2016 out for, John? I for uncharted yeah 4. so it's like like six years almost it's like we know what this game is everyone knows what this game is um it's more about like its technical accomplishment on pc of releasing it all it's a port you know like is it doing that well and the thing i'm handed uh doesn't give me that initial first impression at all due to what is given to me like i always felt like the uncharted games um especially the fourth one i think lost legacy gets to gameplay rather quickly but uncharted 4 like it's all about this like cinematic opening oh yeah and like that was an initial problem in the game is that it didn't feel cinematic due to all the graphical bugs and the fact that it had shader compilation stutter uh which was weird uh that gave me a supremely negative uh like first impression of the game and then the rest of the package didn't line up very well either it's just kind of okay uh and that's what's given to me and it's a very hard situation as a reviewer because do i wait for a nebulous patch that may or may not come at launch day 
or maybe quite a while after the review period, like Horizon Zero Dawn, which took quite a while to get to a better position? Or do I publish the review? And in this case, it was just kind of happenstance. Like, uh, they patched the game, and I didn't even know that would be a thing that would happen. So I redid the... I redid about more than half the video. I didn't change anything about the, the optimized settings. Those are the exact same. I double-checked to see if they were the same, though, uh, which took a lot of time. And I just want to highlight this situation that we are often put in semi-uncomfortable positions where we want to be fair to a game, we want to be fair to the audience playing the game on launch day, uh, and we don't know exactly when to publish or when to start the review process. And it is not good for us, and I'm saying this to developers in the future, publishers in the future, to send us versions of the game with like dramatic, uh, like dramatic bugs in them, visual bugs, performance bugs, uh, and then expect anything on embargo day. Because I do not want to review a game that's going to change dramatically. It's just absolute I, waste of my time. I don't think you know? that they want to release it that way either. I hope not. <laughs> I, I suspect this is just a result of possibly over-aggressive release dates, and the development is clearly just not quite there. Like, it's close, but they know they're actually taking advantage of the day one patch, so to speak, where it's like, okay, we'll have everything ready for launch. Uh, but they're still going to put this stuff out early for press coverage, and most places that would cover it maybe care. I don't know. It's it's a tricky situation. I, I feel for sure. everyone uh, when it comes to releasing this stuff. Because I, they don't want it. They don't want to give Alex Batalia a broken PC game. No, please don't. Uh, I don't know, Rich. Mm. What, what do you think of situations like this? Because we've had it happen almost twice now. Uh, well, um, there seems to be a problem with technical QA. Essentially, what you know, what do we do as reviewers when we're given a piece of code that has got basic technical flaws in it that could, you know, and certainly in the case of Uncharted. Um, could be, could be, should, shouldn't have been a, shouldn't have been there in the first place, and B can be addressed relatively easily. Um, what do we do? Do we sit here as reviewers, reviewing, and basically pointing out the flaws, and then on launch day, users get a, a really crappy experience, you know, with because there's some crazy stuff going on in Uncharted. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah, it was bad. The DLSS flickering thing was it's so... <laughs> I actually thought... I, uh, that's why I reinstalled the driver, and Rich even asked me to change to an older driver, uh, but which didn't fix the issue. So it was actually the And an older itself. GPU, right? Because we, we yes. were on 1490. Yes. It looked like it was... Yeah. You know, we, we were just... It looked like your GPU <laughs> was dying. <laughs> it did look like it was dying. But, it, yeah. But also beforehand, I also want to say, obviously... I got contacted by other press, two other people in the press saying if it was not just my, if their build was wrong, because they were seeing similar oh. things that I was seeing. So it wasn't just me uh, that was seeing these issues. They couldn't have missed this though. Come on. Like, I, they couldn't have. I can't believe These are too obvious, the problems. So why did it go out to reviewers in that state? And that's the thing, right? What do we do as reviewers when we receive this? It's not like, um, you know, a, a a reviewer with a you know reviewing a game in a standard way right where you know they're talking about gameplay decisions plot lines themes that sort of thing we're talking about basic technical problems with a game that are making it look really bad uh, do we sit here hoarding the information and then going live on embargo day uh, telling everyone how crap it is or do we get back to the, to sony and say look these are the issues that we found can you fix it now, in this case, that we don't know for sure whether there was a direct A to B through line there in that regard, but we did feedback all of the issues 
which um, we initially discovered and they were fixed very quickly. Um, but then again, there are issues which uh, we didn't feedback because we didn't see them until later on in the production process. Yeah, right. Um, and they weren't fixed, right? The motion blur thing in particular is yeah, th- still that broken. One, it's still broken. It's weird. I actually looked at back over the footage this morning again, and it almost feels like the motion blur is offset. Like mm. it's not motion blurring things correctly because the motion blur is in a different part of the screen from where the arm is moving, for example. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. thought, I don't know what's called. I have no idea what could cause that, but it was very interesting. Um, uh, I did get actually a sense of what could be causing the issue while playing it because I did see the fact that DLS, certain DLSS modes had broken visuals. And I was thinking like, oh, so they have an issue where resolution is some reason changing the visual makeup of the game. When usually that's something that's like agnostic, right? Um, so the, the fact that motion blur changes its look based upon resolution tells me that this is very console port. Like console games yeah. at times are just made for one resolution and one resolution only. And you can see issues popping up when they are not at 1080p or like John's review of Uncharted yeah. uh, on PS5, where you point out that the, the motion blur doesn't scale with frame rate because the original mm-hmm. motion blur was meant for, for 30. just 30 FPS, just 30 FPS. And they didn't change that even for the PS5 release. So I imagine when they do get around to fixing these things, uh, it'll be much more like the PS5 release. And also the the worst... <laughs> I have no idea why the LOD is worse than PS5. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, what the heck? That is, that is a weird thing. Obviously, I picked only a scene that showed off like a more minor thing because that was just what I had at the time while reviewing. But obviously, if you go to different scenes in the game, which I did not just show on screen because it's like, this video has to end. I have to finish it at some point in time. Uh, it can actually be a little bit larger looking because you're getting like, not that... like Because the, the PS5 version got upgraded over the PS4 in terms of LOD. And you don't always get that in the PC version, which is so bizarre. Like, mm. I don't know. I wish it was um, That's all. Yeah, so it was a really interesting project to see that come together, but <laughs> obviously quite stressful to actually see a lot of the work invalidated yeah. <laughs> on the embargo day again. No or less. Um, <laughs> uh, amazing scenes. So it goes. Um, yeah, I guess that's all we've really got to say about that. I just think that... Um, Things need to change, right? Because if you're if you're sending out a port for review, the review, you know, at least give us the day one experience, right? Please, that's that's, that's yeah. all we ask for. Yeah, <laughs> and it shouldn't be down to DF to be pointing out these these issues. Um, but there I you go. Uh, let's move on to uh, our final part of the show: supporter Q and A, where every week our lovely supporters on the DF supporter program offer up a bunch of questions for us to tackle. And, uh, well, we got some good ones this week. Um, first one from Andre Serles, DF Predictions. Yeah. What type of performance should we expect from consoles this generation once FSR, etc., and the console tech is fully maximized? Uh, well, this is an interesting one because, well, FSR is essentially an evolution of existing temporal super sampling technology we've had since 2016. So it's doing the same job. You'll just get a better quality level there. Mm-hmm. and um, potentially you can run at lower resolutions. So that means that more GPU power is available for quality of pixels. So I don't really see that as being a, a, a game changer, more an enabler. Uh, but it's the SSD and other features. I mean, it's kind of links back to what we were talking about earlier with the Plague Tale and Gotham Knights. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon, John? I mean, mm-hmm. potentially, I mean... <laughs> 
Occam's razor, the more the, you know, the most likely thing to have happen, I suspect, will be we'll see a big bunch of Unreal Engine Five games, potentially with the 30, 40 FPS split we saw in a Plague Tale. Yeah, sounds realistic. I, I think that's alas, I think that's what we're <laughs> going to see. I think the performance will trend back towards thirty slash forty FPS uh, the further we get into this generation, because as always, like you know, uh, some developers are just going to push it as hard as they can for those shiny visuals right like it's again 60 fps is a design decision and any of these games could be made to run at 60 if that's how they architected the game but uh, i suspect we're not going to see that much of that necessarily go i don't know i think it'll be split i think we're going to continue to see more 60 than we did last gen by far but i think we're going to start seeing big games release at just 30 fps again the further we get into mm-hmm. the generation and I, I think we've already seen what stuff like the SSD can bring to the table um, mm-hmm. and which is a great thing. It's if you actually go back to this last gen machines, you it's immediately evident what that buys you. Uh, so that's good. Right. So, yeah, I, I, SSD isn't really a performance no. uh, in a, enabler. It simply enables you to expand the scope of what you're rendering. Really. Yeah. yeah. It just gives you access to more data. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I view it. So I don't think the there's no reason for the SSD to be maximized. That that that's that would be really I think that would be really bad design for a couple of reasons. <laughs> what are you doing in a frame that every object needs to be uh, like an individual asset pulled off from a from a drive? Like most games are not built in that way. They're built around like instancing and duplicating objects or changing small aspects of them to be different um, and not having to have tons of unique data. Uh, because one, then you'd have like a massive size like thing on your disk. And we don't usually see that. We haven't seen mega texture it happened in games. Mega texture died. It was replaced by virtual textures, which is what UE5 uses, or it also uses virtual geometry, my goodness, which is all about it requires an SSD to be working like at all because it, it's <laughs> faster than what a really like a normal HDD platter drive could do. But at the same time, it's about using that data efficiently and duplicating data and instancing data instead of having tons of really unique stuff. It's about like being smart with stuff. It requires an SSD, but it isn't about maximizing an SSD. And that's what I think we're going to see a lot of. A lot of stuff that an SSD enables, but it isn't about like having completely unique each like frame and view right. as a different part of the world. I thought that was a really, really unrealistic example when that was given back in the day. But I think like the Unreal example or even the Spider-Man example, like I tested it on PC. Like it was like, I think at one moment it required like a burst 500 megabyte per second, mm-hmm. something that's like SATA SSD style. And I was like, oh, I can understand why though, because like you're changing the view and you're seeing an entirely new part of the city. It made, it made quite a lot of sense. but. It's it's not like you require five point five gigabytes per second. That's more about like the the getting rid of loading times yeah, yeah, part yeah. of it. That's 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 very different than the unique asset part of that, this new generation. That reminds me, I was playing around with Cyberpunk on the PC again recently, and I don't I don't know if this was added later, but there's an option in the menu now that allows you to sort of select whether you want hard drive, like phys- you know spinning platter drive based loading or ssd based loading essentially and the difference is that if you're in the hard drive mode it's uh there's less variety in terms of on screen like npcs and vehicles and there can be some additional loading hitches when moving between the different cells uh so they actually do have different 
ways of approaching loading based on how fast the storage medium is. And, you know, that's, you know, that seems like the kind of thing we're going to see where they'll basically just take advantage of the fact that they have those SSDs and you can access the data faster and get it into memory faster, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's okay. cool. Okay, fair enough. Let's move on to the next question from Big Boss 69. Oh, name. It, it is. It's funny how it's never like 68 or no. 70. What's that about? <laughs> anyway, the question, hi DFT, realistically, how much performance loss would we see using a 4090 on older systems? I am running a 9900 KF at 5.1 gigahertz. A Z390, so PCIe 3, Ooh. and a 3080 Ti. Due to the slower CPU, relatively speaking, when compared to the beasts of today, and older PCIe expansion slots, if I was a, if I was to slot in a 4090 into my rig, would I see a major loss in performance? For reference, I game at 4K 120 hertz. So, Alex, is a pretty easy way to test this, right? You could basically just run that uh, 3080 Ti at like 1080p, and you'd get a feel. Yeah. And, and you get an idea of basically the extent to which your game is bottlenecked by the CPU. That's a really good. That's a really good test that this uh, person should do. Big Boss sixty nine, <laughs> and uh, I would say you would four K one twenty. So the thing that is interesting about the forty ninety is it allows you to just max out a game. Yeah, which is cool. But that maxing out of a game un- invariably turns up settings that are going to start making the CPU a little bit less happy. A good example would be Spider-Man. I know the 9900K, for example, is going to maybe be like 60 FPS at best uh, when you have the game maxed out. Something that a 12900K uh, is actually a lot better at getting up to that 4K 120 realm. So I think it would actually be a, a bottleneck here. And I think that test that Rich said is a great idea. Give it a try. Okay, fair enough. Uh, skip ahead to question here from Sloth. Uh, do you think game? Uh, do you think companies releasing emulated games should adjust their gameplay to account for how frame rate changes can affect difficulty? For example, Pilot Wings sixty four now runs at sixty fps on Switch Online, which is great overall, but it makes the time limit aspect of some missions much easier. Really, John? I think this is an unusual problem, and it's very specific to Pilot Wings sixty four because that's a game that runs with an uncapped frame rate on real hardware. So to actually simulate the original experience, you would have to ensure that the emulator can perfectly simulate the N64 uh, in terms of its processing speed. Uh, So, but this is pretty much one of the only games I think I know of on the system where this is the case. So, yeah, I mean, and it seems like certain things are tied to the frame rate as well. So, like, it was built with that original lower frame rate in mind. So when it just runs at a high frame rate, uh, things change. It's it's a really weird kind of sloppy game. With a great soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think this is usually an issue. It just happens to be that in this case, Pilot Wings, yeah, has those problems. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next question from OCD Dev. Hey, DF, just curious to know your thoughts on why devs don't offer higher bitrate versions of their pre-rendered cutscenes as an optional download, similar to what many devs do with their high-resolution texture files. Mm. It's especially annoying to go from a clean 1440p60 presentation to a 720p30 cinematic filled with macro blocking. I can definitely think of a list of technical reasons why devs don't include this, slower load times, increased file size, etc., 
but I think it would be a relatively easy thing to include while also preserving the game in the highest possible quality, within reason. Hopefully everything will move to real-time at some point, but until then it would be good to have more options. And it would, right, Alex? I would love this. And John and I always have hated this. Yep. We talk about this like <laughs> yeah. at least once every two weeks, probably, <laughs> with some game, because I load up uh, a game on an old PC, and I think, like, man, those Bink videos look terrible. Um, I would love <laughs> this. I would love this. Um, and I, I'll actually, the, this actually, the one thing it ties into is not just the ability to have it separately downloaded. I would really like that. But I think it's a really big deal that you allow those video files in the game directory to be actually separate video files that can be replaced by users. John talked about it in his DF Retro video, I think, oh, yeah. a little bit like how like, you know, Final Fantasy 13 on PC, you can change like the video files in it, I think, right, yeah, John? Yeah, there's a yeah. mod. And for you that. can do that for a couple of games. And I've seen people use things like the PS3 video files for a game on PC because you can just slot them in. And I thought that was so cool. Um, so I would really like for more games to have their game directories be more mutable to allow people sure. to mod those things. I think the problem mm. here, though, and the reason you don't see this often is that I don't think most developers seem to really care that much about video. Uh, video playback is in a horrible spot right now. Like most, especially on the PC. Like when you play a video back in Unreal, I guess they just use the standard whatever media player in there and they usually don't run well. The frame pacing is bad. You know, they're low quality. Like video playback in games has been really bad for years and most games just, it just, I, I'm always surprised to see how poor quality this is. And that's one of the things I talked about in the Final Fantasy 13 video, which isn't out yet, but uh, is that on PS3, they used ultra high bit rate, super high quality FMV. That's so good that you can't actually tell that it's video, uh, especially when they're showing the real time engine stuff, but pre-rendered out for certain scenes. Like it looks the same as the real time because the video quality is so high. Uh, they clearly ensure that video playback was perfect. And we've kind of fallen back from then. I mean, I still remember years ago loading up one of those Assassin's Creed games you hit new game, and the first thing you see is this long video explaining everything, but the quality is bad with lots of macro blocking, the playback's <laughs> not smooth, it's stuttering. Like, the whole thing, it's like, this is your first impression of the game? It's this, this bad video? Like, it's bad, don't do it. Like, either, if you're going to use video, then the video quality should be high. If not, you know, try to minimize it. <laughs> mm, yeah, interesting points there. I do think... Um with the advent of SSDs and whatnot, uh, there are good reasons why you could actually have high quality video. I mean, going back to these 720p30 issues, a lot of it was because, you know, on Xbox 360, they would be streaming ah, yes. in the video simultaneously with loading in game code. So there was only so much bandwidth to go around and therefore you got uh, really bad quality video. But in the current era, there's so much bandwidth on an SSD uh, a user has, you know, varying levels of bandwidth to download files from, you know, the internet to supplement the quality if it's there. And exactly as OCD Dev here says, um, just for preservation, I mean, we're seeing a lot of issues now with uh, remasters where, you know, they can remaster the game, but they can't effectively remaster the cinematics because there are really bad quality FMV videos. <laughs> so, yes, I think there is definitely... 
good reasons to change here. I guess the other thing is again, as the as the uh, the, the the question asker says here is that we are moving more to real time now, which just comprehensively solves the problem. Full stop. But yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, let's move on to the next question from mm, Chili Kukali. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with increasingly more PC gamers using 144 hertz displays, is it time to make PC benchmarks uh, test for 72 FPS instead of 60? Especially with 72 already including 60 FPS for 60 slash 120 hertz displays. Alex? Uh, I want to say no, just because I think I would say like in an ideal world, yes, but in uh, the real world where we present all of our data through 60 FPS, yeah. uh, if I, I would look so bad on yeah. a 60 FPS, it would just look so bad. I've thought about this before with DLSS three, where it's like, how do I even show what 80 FPS looks like in video form? That's why I did some weird thing about recording at 240 hertz. Um, we can't, we just can't show that. And until there is 120 Hertz or higher video, uh, playback options across the web, as well as variable frame rate video, which is something that is totally technically doable, but just doesn't exist out there for any of the media that is out there, like YouTube, et cetera. Uh, until we can do that, I will be sticking at 60 for a while or 120 and then slowing it down. Fair enough. I mean, uh, just did the calculation here. Um, 72 FPS, 13.9 milliseconds per frame. So there's a good couple of milliseconds extra wiggle room mm -hmm. that you could use to add additional effects to Alex's optimized settings. Yeah. Well, actually, no, it would be lower. The other it? way around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've got to be a bit tighter then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, I mean, optimized settings are pretty much optimized regardless of the target frame rate. Yeah, it's the, the best bang for the buck, really. Yeah, it? it's about it's all about bang for the buck. Like, what is the most visually <laughs> performant? Uh, which is one of the reasons why I thought Uncharted was a little bit not so great of a port. Uh, you, know, you can just watch the video. Watch the video. Watch the video. Yeah. Okay. Um, final question uh, from Techno Hippie. <laughs> not even two. Not even two weeks after Richard proudly proclaimed that the forty ninety solves graphics, <laughs> along comes the exception that disproves the rule. Gotham Knights. Do you think WB Montreal sabotaged the game's performance intentionally just to spite Richard? I mean, what else could explain why it performs so poorly? This is it. <laughs> yes, that's exactly um, what they did. <laughs> that's it. That is literally it. I mean, the thing is, um, well, first of all, I'd said that the uh, the 1490 effectively solves graphics for the current generation of games, right? What it doesn't really solve is uh, production and development difficulties <laughs> and, uh, and, and poor performance at that level. <laughs> I think that has to be clear. That'd be great. <laughs> Plug in at 4090, download more RAM. Let's do all those things. <laughs> download more RAM. Dual layer ES RAM. That's what we need. <laughs> the best. That, that would solve everything. <laughs> Extra GPU in the power brick. I was going to say, it's all these things you just, that solves development. Uh, <laughs> I want to, uh, Techno Hippie, I love that you're writing this question. It's very funny. But yeah, like call, solves it for the current generation is one thing that Rich really did, did point out. And like, I, we're definitely going to see games in the future that test the 4090 it's it's really really good but it's also obviously it's limited in some ways so we'll see those in the future mm -hmm. 
Okay, fair enough. And that's the end of the show for this week. Uh, I'd like to send a big shout out to uh, Dakvac, who prepared this rather splendid uh, DF merch. Super awesome. Homebrew merch. Oh, wow. Astonishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> but yes, that is indeed, it is indeed bespoke. It is always bespoke. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's it. That's the end of our show for this week. Please do like, subscribe, share if you enjoyed the content. Ring the bell for those notionally instant notifications. No guarantees there, as usual. That is my disclaimer. Uh, DF supporter program. So much going on there. It's unbelievable. Early access, uh, bonus materials. Uh, just amazing stuff going on there. And, of course, the new uh, episode for DF Retro supporters coming soon, Final Fantasy XIII. I've watched the bulk of its amazing stuff. Um, but that's all from us for this week, and I guess we'll see you next week. <laughs>